They were coated with faint polish and looked like perfect flakes of pearl. She lifted her hands and recited several poems again, signing the words elegantly. Now all the girls were awake, four looking out the windows, three watching Melanie's fingers, and round Jocelyn Wiederman watching her teacher's every move. These fields go on forever, Melanie thought. Susan's gaze followed Melanie's. They're blackbirds, the teenager signed. Crows. Yes, they were. Not five or eight, but a thousand, a flock of them. The birds watched the ground, the yellow bus, and the overcast sky, gray and purple. Melanie looked at her watch. They weren't even to the highway yet. It would be three hours before they got to Topeka. The bus descended into another canyon of wheat, She sensed the trouble before a single clue registered in her conscious thoughts. Later, she would conclude that it was no psychic message or premonition. It was Mrs. Harstrawn's big ruddy fingers flexing anxiously on the steering wheel. Hands in motion. Then the older woman's eyes narrowed slightly. Her shoulders shifted, her head tilted a millimeter. The small things a body does that reveal what the mind is thinking. Are girls asleep? The question was blunt, and the fingers returned immediately to the wheel. Melanie scooted forward and signed that they weren't. Now the twins, Anna and Susie, delicate as feathers, were sitting up, leaning forward, breathing on the older teacher's broad shoulders, looking ahead. Mrs. Harstrawn waved them back. Don't look. Sit back and look out opposite window. Do it. Now. The left window. Then Melanie saw the car. And the blood. There was a lot of it. She shepherded the girls back to their seats. Don't look, Melanie instructed. Her heart pounded fiercely. Her arms suddenly weighed a thousand pounds. And put seatbelts on. She had trouble making the words. Jocelyn, Beverly, and ten-year-old Emily did as instructed immediately. Shannon grimaced and peeked. Kiel blatantly ignored Melanie. Susan got to look, she pointed out. Why couldn't she? Of the twins, it was Anna who'd gone still, hands in her lap and her face paler than usual, in sharp contrast to her sister's nut-brown tan. Melanie stroked the girl's hair. She pointed out the window on the left side of the bus. Look at wheat, she instructed. Totally interesting, Shannon replied sarcastically. Those poor people. Twelve-year-old Jocelyn wiped copious tears from her fat cheeks. The burgundy Cadillac had run hard into a metal irrigation gate. Steam rose from its front end. The driver was an elderly man. He lay sprawled half out of the car, his head on the asphalt. Melanie could now see a second car as well, a gray Chevy. The collision had happened at an intersection, It looked like the Cadillac had had the right of way and had slammed into the gray car, which must have run a stop sign. The Chevy had skidded off the road into the tall wheat. There was no one inside. Its hood was twisted and steam plumed from the radiator. Mrs. Arstron brought the bus to a stop, reached for the worn chrome handle of the door. No, thought Melanie. Keep going. Go to a grocery store, a 7-Eleven, a house.
They hadn't passed anything for miles, but surely there was something up ahead. Don't stop. Keep going. She'd been thinking those words, but her hands must have been moving because Susan responded, No, we have to. He is hurt. But the blood, Melanie thought. They shouldn't get his blood on them. There was AIDS. There were other diseases. These people needed help, but they needed official help. Eight gray birds sitting in dark. Susan, eight years younger than Melanie, was the first one out of the school bus, running toward the injured man, her long black hair dancing around her in the gusting wind. Then Mrs. Harstrawn. Melanie hung back, staring. The driver lay like a sawdust doll, one leg bent at a terrible angle, head floppy, hands fat and pale.